This is where creative believers are encouraged to be great artists. My name is Matt Anderson. I am your mediocre host. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe, would you? And then the old five-star rating and review on your platform increases our visibility and makes life generally better for all the world. Well, we are in the midst of a series called People Who Made Things, and we are going through the Bible, examining people or groups or situations in which things were made. Uh, Some of those will be God-honoring, some of those not so much, and today is an example of the latter. Uh, Many people, though, in the Bible made or built things, and we're going to look at what these creators did or did not do and lessons, takeaways that we can draw from each of these stories um, and apply to our own process as, uh, as creative people. Now, if you've ever read through the Old Testament, you see the people of God, you see the Israelites, and it's amazing how when the best things are happening for them, the worst things occur. In the midst of great victory, how do I put it? Um, God's people often found a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. And we see it time and again in the Old Testament. And something momentous is occurring, and then suddenly a humongous mistake is made. Well, that kind of background helps us to understand our... our, uh, episode of People Who Made Things on this occasion. Last time, if you were here, uh, we talked about the tabernacle, how God had delivered his people from Egypt, and they had wandered for a short time, and the Lord brought them eventually to Mount Sinai. And it was here on this mountain that God was going to meet with Moses and then the people, and he was going to lay out, okay, here's how you are to live. And here's how uh, I'm to be worshipped. And he lays out great specifics in doing that. And that's where, you know, the tabernacle was was brought forth from. And we we covered that last time. Right on the heels of that, this is within that same story. See what I'm I'm saying here? The jaws of victory. Exodus 24, verse 12. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and wait there that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. Verse 15. Then Moses went up on the mountain and the cloud, that would be the presence of God, covered the mountain. In verse 18, Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. So there he is. And he has left, uh, Moses has left his brother Aaron in charge and has let the people know, if you all got a problem, 
And if it works its way up the ladder, the final authority is Aaron. He's the high priest. He's my bro. He's got it, right? So uh, all these days, however many you know weeks go by, and in Exodus 32, right? So in the ensuing chapters, God gives all the instructions for the tabernacle and, and the law. Now in chapter 32, verse 1, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your, uh, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received, and keep in mind, there's a lot of people, and he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And by the Lord, he meant that thing, not the real one. Now, there are a lot of ways to go in this story. But here we are in the, in the midst of this victory where God is laying out. I mean, history is being made at this moment. And the people are thinking that, you know, Moses is MIA. And uh, so Aaron and, you know, Aaron, uh, rather than saying, hey, can we trust in the God who freed us from Egypt? Um, and I'm sure these folks were getting riled up and angry and impatient. Uh, and so he uses artistic skill and says, hey, bring me the gold that you've got. By the way, this gold might have come in handy for what was going to be built um, that God was talking about on the mountain. And now these same ingredients are being used for something else. Boy, isn't that how sin works, right? But when I look at this story, what I want to highlight for our purposes today is the danger of disconnection. Because to me, that's at the root of so much uh, that goes wrong with Israel here. And for us as just people of God and, and as artists. So, uh, I mean, we have to establish the fact that we walk by faith and not by sight. This is how it goes. This is how it goes in, in Christianity. Um, somebody says, show me what God looks like. And we go, I don't know. And that's because Jesus told us God is spirit now, again, we are given a framework because we are so much more stupid than he is. It has to be dumbed down for us incredibly. And so we're often given different pictures of the Lord. Uh, the biggest one being our Father, our Heavenly Father. That's intentional from, uh, from the beginning. But ultimately, he's spirit. And so we are people who don't need to see things in order to believe them. Otherwise, why is faith even required? 
We were not there to see the Word of God uh, penned and accumulated. We were not there to see the miracles of Jesus. We were certainly not there for his resurrection. But these things we believe by faith and not by sight. So what happens is, uh, this is how we're meant to live. And, And I get it. It can be frustrating. And I wish there are times. I wish the Lord could visibly be in the room with me. And, you know, maybe you would want to just converse with him or embrace him and vice versa. But I I just want to remind you, that's what heaven is going to be all about. This place is not our home. And really because of our our sinful state, it, it was that way in the garden. But once Adam and Eve and, of course, us too, blew it with sin, now we won't be able to experience that until later. We walk by faith and not by sight. And so our sinful nature always wants to worship created things rather than the creator. That's right out of Romans 1, by the way. That's how people go off the rails. And Paul explains that in Romans 1. And it begins with people not worshiping God as God, but worshiping created things. And there is this thing within us. We we seem to like and are prone to worship and give our affection and our hearts. And I'm not saying marriage is not of God. I mean in a worshipful, devoted sense. Other than the holy relationships that God has prescribed in Scripture, we give ourselves mentally and emotionally and sometimes physically to things that we can see and hear and touch. And that is the nature of the sinful beast that is us. Now, keep in mind, we have it so much better than the Israelites in Exodus. Because Jesus died the death that we deserved, because he did for me what I could never do for myself and was raised from the dead, we now as individuals have personal access to the throne of God. This did not exist in Exodus. There there had to be this go-between who was Moses. And then in in the highly spiritual priestly things, Aaron and then his sons. So they were reliant on other people to sort of be that mediator in a sense, that middle point between God and man. Today, the Lord is always available to us. So even though we have to walk by faith and not by sight— we can connect with him at any point in any day of our lives. But still, we will often choose to not do that. We will choose something that is man-made, something that is created, rather than the one who created all beautiful and perfect things. And when we disconnect from him for one reason or another, we have there there's the worship mechanism within us it's part of our design it, it is part of the to use the the latin the imago dei uh that image of god with which we were all uh, embedded it's in our programming we must worship something and that can end up being ourselves that can end up being 
uh, some sort of a substance abuse. It could be any kind of addiction. It could be an unhealthy relationship in which we make this person the God of our lives. We never say it that way, but we put all of our chips emotionally and spiritually on one person. And we've probably all experienced it. We've probably all done it to one level or another. And we've certainly had friends and family who have done so. And the problem is, whatever we put in that spot, of course, beyond Father God, cannot live up to what we have that uh, claimed that person or thing to be. Nothing can achieve what only the Lord can achieve. So now we have a choice. We are engaging in something that we've given our hearts to, something or someone. And there is this little thing within us that says this isn't working. Again, we never say that, but we have a decision to make when it's not working. We either double down or we find another one or we repent. I mean, that's, those are really the choices. And again, we're talking about idols here. I'm kind of resisting using that, that word overly because people often dismiss themselves from that argument because, you know, I'm sure none of us have golden calves sitting around the house. Although, I don't know, these days. Uh, and so we, you know, like, oh, no, no, I'm not, I don't have a problem with idols. I'm not, I'm not bowing down to stone and gold. Correct. Probably, I'm sure that's not the case. But but if we're not connected to Christ, we are connected to something in a very deep and intimate way. And so do we double down on that and say, well, it's not working, so I must need more of that. And we just increase the pain and the hurt and the shame. Do we move it to someone else and we go through the same circular motion again? Or do we recognize that the one that we cannot see but is ever present with us in times of trouble and times of good is there for us if we will just reconnect? I mean, this is how idols come about, is that disconnection. And those things can eventually cost us our lives. It can cost us our, our security. It can... Uh, um, it, it can affect our lives for decades or longer if something isn't done. Because ultimately, that's what, that's what idols do. Everything we do as artists depends on our connection. So let me ask you today, what's the status of your connection to the one who made you? And only you can answer that. And uh, I pray you'll answer it honestly, because what brings about the greatest level of joy in you right now? That is probably what has your greatest affection. And I think that's a constant challenge in our lives, because it can be very tempting. And even good things can vie for supremacy. We can put our kids in that slot. And don't we all know folks who are doing that? But it's not healthy because our kids can't live up to that. And God help us if we try to make them live up to that. Sometimes it's the girlfriend. Often it's the job. It's the, uh, it's the income we're making. It's the stuff where it's the material things that 
the accoutrements of our life that help us to say, see how awesome I am at what I do. What brings the greatest amount of joy to you? And too often, the Lord does not. I have to say, that's not a God problem. That's a me problem. Because everything we do as artists depends on our connection to him. And if we're not connected, and again, it's much bigger than even our, our creative life. I just mean our hearts and our status before God, because that's more, that's more important. But since this is the, the, uh, the theme of this podcast, it's going to affect what you and I make. And for some, it'll mean we don't make anything because our affections are elsewhere. And we have been distracted uh, in our time, in our finances, and in our affection in other places other than the Lord who has given us the ability to make. And when we are connected to Him, it is amazing. It's amazing how much easier, even though this is never easy, easier it is with Him involved in the process. So if you're honest and you say, yeah, I'm, I think I'm a bit disconnected. What caused that? And before we start dealing with the fruit of a problem, why don't we talk about the root of the problem? It means there's something that's flawed in the, uh, in the God relationship. Something went wrong somewhere. Maybe you're mad over something that happened in your life. Maybe you lost someone. Maybe you experienced professional disappointment. Whatever it is, something caused a disruption and it needs to be reconnected. I can't urge you strongly enough to examine your connection with Christ because if that connection is lessened or severed, we're going to find ourselves, instead of making great works of art, we're going to start making golden calves. Enjoy the Matcast. We could always use your help. The one thing that keeps me from doing more episodes is time. Doing a podcast isn't usually a profitable venture, so I have to spend a lot of time doing side hustles in order to stay afloat. But you can help with that by going to my website, matministry.com, matministry.com, and click on the support button. There you can contribute financially uh, to what I do here and help me focus more and more on creative endeavors. Just go to mattministry.com support and give as you feel led. Your generosity is greatly appreciated.
So let's talk about one more aspect of the golden calf story. And we're going to read a little more scripture in just a moment. But let's, uh, let's be reminded that art is meant to connect. That's our hope, that it is kind of a means to an end more than an end in itself. Yes, it's great when we can just make something and yes, that, that the process and, and hopefully the Lord is involved and we are blessed through the act of creating. But ultimately, the reason we're doing this, we want it to connect with someone else. Art is meant to connect. So the the question I want to pose to you, what do people connect to because of our art? What does what we create allow people to connect to? Because it's going to send them somewhere. Whereas the the tabernacle, which was about to be built, which God is laying out the plans for, was meant to connect God's people to God. This was going to be a beautiful, beautiful thing that would be a regular reminder of God's awesomeness and supremacy and the way he set them free from captivity. The tabernacle was a visual way of connecting, and God recognizes the importance of art and creativity to help us do that. Now, what I find here with the people, they made a a mistake that we still make to this day. It seems like the people were more focused on Moses than they were on God. They say, where is this guy Moses? Rather than, where is the Lord? And I get it, Moses was representing the Lord, but (laughs) what they had seen to that point helped them to realize that Uh, This wasn't Moses doing all this stuff. They saw God part the Red Sea. They saw a pillar of smoke and a pillar of fire that would accompany them in their journey. They saw the plagues hit Egypt that ultimately freed them. So they know, they know there's, there's someone over and above all of this, but they're not asking about him. They're asking about Moses. Isn't it funny how we often will substitute people that we love and respect for God. And we've got to get the order right. Yes, it's great to have people that we love and respect. It's good to have mentors. It's good to have people that we admire. But if we're disconnected, we're going to put even people that we love and admire. And it could be a parent. It could be a great friend. It could be a pastor. It could be an author. It could be another artist. And we start to put them in a place that they certainly do not belong. And again, they are not going to be able to fulfill our wishes as a God. And so then it all falls apart. They were more focused on Moses than they were on God. And the, and the connection was, uh, was off. Now, it's not Moses' fault But let's ask ourselves now as artists, this is more of a professional rather than a personal question, what are we doing in our life and in our creating to make sure we are not the object of worship? Now, I want to pause for a second. This especially goes out to all (laughs) y'all, a little Southern there, in the people helping professions, because I have been there. And I'm telling you, you can get 
a narcotic adrenaline rush when you're helping people. And there is this little mechanism within us, if we're not careful, we so want to be the hero. We want to be everyone's hero. And what ends up happening is we can be very uh, lax in pointing to who is the one who makes all this possible. And we can start to be the be-all and end-all of someone's life. And, okay, it's great to honor people who help us, but we have got to work so hard. Pastors, please hear this. Mentors, Christian leaders, please hear this. We have to make sure that we are connecting people with the true source of all that is good and holy. And it's a wonderful privilege to be able to invest in the life of another person. But I'm telling you, there is it is a cocaine-level temptation to bring that on ourselves and to be adored. And we all are subject to it. We have, And I'm sure any of us in the people-helping world especially have fallen victim to it. Likewise, our art is always pointing to something. What we make, what is it? Okay, you can do the whole, I don't know, man, I just make it, you know, and people can like draw whatever conclusion. Okay, great. But you know what? You're saved. Um, you're in the kingdom. So that's not going to work. Because that's not why God gave you what you have. Sorry, that's not going to play here. So your art is pointing to something because you want it to point to something. I'm not going to believe your little whatever, man, explanation. Wrong. <laughs> so what is it? Is it us? Are we just wanting people to say what a great artist we are? Is it all about just likes and shares and followers? Is that, is that all it is? I'm not saying we, we don't have those things, but what are we intentionally pointing to with what we make? Is it beauty? Okay, cool. Like that, because beauty is meant to connect us with the source of all creative beauty. There is something intrinsic when we see something beautiful that, um, that naturally connects us to the Almighty. We don't have to do a three-point sermon to, to make this happen. But I'm just saying, what are we pointing to? What are we pointing to as artists? Are we trying to make people think? Okay, great. Again, great. But where do we hope their thoughts kind of lead? I know, you're going to be tempted to say, wherever. No, <laughs> sorry. Nope. We're not here to waste our time. We're not here to waste our energy and our talents. We have a mission here. God gave you that, not just so you can pat yourself on the back. It's to bring people to the kingdom, to make people more aware of the greatness and glory of God. And if we leave it wide open, then we can't be surprised if it goes off the rails. And I don't know if Aaron realized what he was doing. He had to, for heaven's sakes. But I'm just going to give you an example, and I'm sorry if this offends. 
And, you know, one of the most controversial people these days in the, uh, in the world of church is Joel Osteen. And this isn't any kind of a theological takedown here. But I think about one of his book titles was Your Best Life Now. It's probably his most famous book title. <laughs> has anyone else noticed how that, how that best life phrase has been used? I mean, people who aren't even remotely saved will be like, yeah, man, I'm just trying to live my best life. It's a good reminder of how the things we make can be subverted and taken off the rails. And I think we have to work that much harder to be able to say, not where I was going with that. Are we just playing to the crowd? See, that's where Aaron went off the rails. Because the people were coming at him saying, uh, you better come up with something. You better come up with something we can worship like right now. And he feared for his own life. And he played to the crowd. And he fashioned himself a golden calf to take the pressure off. Oh, and the people were laughing and dancing. They were having a good old time. Worshiping this thing. It may sell, but we're selling out. Look, I say this as a hardcore capitalist. <laughs> Sales figures aren't everything. We can sell. I mean, we we can give the public, quote unquote, what they want, but is it what the Lord wants? And often those two are not the same. Now, it's cool when we do what God wants, and there's a groundswell of people who seem to get on board. Wow, that's exciting. That's great. But that cannot be why we do it. Our art is connecting to something. What is it? Where is it sending people? It needs to be into the arms of the Lord, one way or another. If even if it's God, help me to do, help me to paint something so beautiful that it's almost as if people are in Wyoming and they see the big sky with with the multicolored sunset and they can only think of you. That that becomes what we intentionally point to. Lord, I want I want to make sure that this points to you and not to me and not to anyone or anything else. Now, look, if, if we haven't been there, if we're only concerned with our brand, you know what? We need to own it and we need to repent. So the moment when Aaron is confronted, Moses comes down from the mountain and uh, he sees all this going on. And this leads to one of the, I'll put it in quotes, greatest lies in all of scripture. If you find humor in the Bible, this is a laugh track. And Moses said to Aaron, what did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? That's a heavy line. That shows you the power of the artist, by the way. That's another podcast. And Aaron said, let not the anger of my Lord burn hot. You know the people that they are set on evil. (laughs) For they said to me, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So I said to them, let any who have gold take it off. 
So they gave it to me. Here it comes. So they gave it to me and I threw it into the fire and out came this calf. (laughs) Come on, man. You've got to laugh at the irony of that. I I don't know, man. I just, man. I mean, if only art were that easy, by the way. And you just, I just threw in all this golden kapow, calf. You're like, looky there. Look, we need to own it. If we've, if we've gone astray, we need to own it and we need to repent. This doesn't have to be some kind of a life sentence. We just, we don't make excuses. We don't say, I don't know, man, I was sleepless one night and out came that. What has our heart right now? Where does our affection go? Where is our creative work going? And if it's only to us, we are really wasting our efforts and we are only going to live in despair because we'll know it has no eternal value. I mean, is all of this meant just to puff us up in our brand? I think if even secular artists were honest, they would tell you how not enough that is. And it's why so many die young and very tragically. Our art is meant to connect. What I want to urge all of you to do is to make sure your own connection with the Lord is stronger. Bring him back into the process. Ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, where does my art point to? Where is it connecting people? Because you may need to do some repenting, and that's okay, because I do too. We all do. And then set about with what you're going to make. Devote it and say, Lord, I want to make sure that however you help me to get there, it doesn't have to be this easy, obvious, um, laughable way. It can be very creative and innovative, but Lord, let it lead to you. And watch the Lord work in such innovative and creative ways through you. We don't have to build calves for sales. We don't have to build those stupid things just to, uh, just to get us out of a jam. We can point to the unseen God. Rather than all these things we can see, including ourselves, who will fail, we point to the one who never fails. Well, we appreciate you being a part of the MattCast. Please share this with a friend. We would love to expand our MattCast family. If you have a question or a comment, you can email me at mattcastworld at gmail.com. Our theme music is by Sound of Fusion. This has been a production of Monumental Ministries. For more information or to listen to our archives, go to mattministry.com. Hey, thanks for having me over. I had a wonderful time. Thank you.